0: Well, you know, it wouldn't be a Carolina Weather Group without us starting late. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group tonight. We are uh, trying to troubleshoot uh, with our guest to get her on tonight to uh, talk a little bit about uh, everything weather with uh, Chrissy Harley. She is the uh, Warning Coordinator Meteorologist in the uh, National Weather Service Office in Nashville, Tennessee. So, uh, we are working uh, feverishly behind uh, behind all of this to try to get her um, on. So. Uh, while we do that, we're going to fill some air, as uh, David and James know very well how to ad-lib. So uh, Shay is working behind the scenes to try to get her uh, brought onto the show, so we are going to talk about some storms and severe weather that's moving into uh, portions of the southeast and uh, kind of talk about uh, what to expect over the next few days. So uh, I'm going to toss it up to David right quick, because David, you guys have really not had much to talk about up there, have you?
1: Well, I mean, we've had stuff to talk about, but it's just more of the same kind of deal. It's been a few days warm, a few days cold, a few days warm, a few days cold. And over the past couple of days, well, it's been record-breaking warm with 75 yesterday. Yes, 75 degrees yesterday here in Central Virginia and 72 degrees again today. And fun fact, today, 72 degrees. It broke the old record of 71 degrees which we hit last February 8th, 2015. I've been here since January of 2015. That means in my three February 8th dates I've been here, two of them have been record-breaking. So I don't know whether to say, sorry, Charlottesville, or (laughs) such of Virginia, or you're welcome. Depends on your point of view. But uh, as we go into tonight, we do look to see some uh, rain roll in from the west, and that rain will be... On the colder side, but not super cold is we're still checking out temperatures at 62 degrees at show right now at 8 o'clock at night. 62 degrees. Average high for this time of year, 47 degrees. So. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been warm here in central Virginia. But tomorrow, some locations don't get out of the 30s. Yes, there will be some snow showers in our northern counties. Northern Virginia Maryland northern Delaware New Jersey looks to get a good bit of snow Pennsylvania and continuing right up into the central portions of New England and beyond some locations there could go from the 50s and 60s today to seeing a foot of snow on the ground by tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening so quite the turn of events about a few people ask me what's going on why is it going from one extreme to the next and it's like hey This is what happens sometimes. Typically, we don't see this kind of extreme temperature variation until March. But, hey, weather has been doing weird things as of late. We had an ice storm last February 15th, and then we had tornadoes February 24th. So maybe spring is trying to get an extra week going here. But if you're not a fan of the cold weather, Don't worry. We have 70 back in the forecast here as we get into Sunday afternoon before temperatures kind of plateau in the upper 50s, close to 60 later next week. But if you're looking for snow. I have some bad news for you outside of maybe tomorrow morning. It's just it's just not going to it's not likely to happen.
0: Yeah, and I think we could kind of translate that down here into North and South Carolina and Georgia and maybe, well, not East Tennessee or the mountains because uh, they get Northwest flow events. Mm-hmm. But I really do believe uh, we're starting to wind down our chances to see in a widespread snowfall event uh, for most parts of the southeast as we kind of transition a little bit ahead of schedule, as you're talking about, we're warmer normally than what we are. And it looks like we're not going to really see any dramatic cold spurts. We may see a day or two. Uh, pretty cold, but as as you look long term, it kind of looks like the warm weather is going to win out over the cold weather. So yeah, oh, I think I mean, we got. I think is we is that Chrissy? Got got have Chrissy. Yes, <laughs> she's there. Yes. Awesome. Yay! All right. Well, we do <laughs> have Chrissy finally. Uh, she we finally got the the technical um, issues worked out. So we'll bring Chrissy in here in just a second. I know James was working feverishly. So, James, you guys—I uh, had the storms a little bit earlier. Uh, the first round is uh, moved through, and we're waiting the uh, second round to come uh, around the uh, ten to midnight time frame. So, James, in the Charlotte area, you guys are starting to see uh, the storms move into your area now.
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right Scotty. And I'll. Uh, are you guys getting an echo from me or no? You good? No, no, or we're, right we're good. So uh, taking a look at Radar Scope right now, you can see we've got a line of strong storms starting to move into a certain part of Mecklenburg County, kind of just the northern edge there of uh, South Carolina. matter of fact, I think I've got a traffic cam pulled up here. There's Scotty's face, but if I go on over to the traffic cam, can't see a whole lot right now. I think we've got a flash of lightning just there a moment ago. So uh, I don't want to talk too long because I know we have uh, Chrissy on and we're going to be going over a whole lot. But if you are here in the Charlotte area with me or elsewhere, uh, we're going to begin to see some of this rain now moving uh, into Western North Carolina. But we got a lot more action back behind it. You can see by switch radars quite a good amount of activity in uh, northern Alabama right now, but also still a good amount of activity making its way through Tennessee. So with that, Scotty, I'll throw it back over to you because I'm sure Chrissy could tell us a lot more about that.
0: Yes, you can. I do want to kind of make a – laughing point here um if you are watching uh th- it is not freezing rain in belmont as there as you're not that cold right somebody is uh, imping the wrong report there they're saying it's freezing rain in belmont but that is totally Whoops. not the case <laughs> so anyways uh yeah i uh, got to love uh kind of love those apps but let's throw it down quickly to uh, shay gibson who's in the charleston south carolina area shay uh tell us about what's been going on the last uh, couple of days since we last seen you and then uh, we'll go into tonight's show
3: well, I tell you, Scotty, we we just we just have mild weather here. I mean, really, we had a couple of days of cool weather, and then, then we warmed back up. Um, you, you know, we're really—it looks like we're riding a steady train right into spring at this point, point. and I know winter's not over yet, and we could still have a couple of cold snaps, but we've already got pollen on the ground. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we had rain last night and into this morning, and then the pollen was pretty thick in the puddles that I was looking around at. I took a picture earlier, I meant to put it on Twitter, but— Yeah, that's early. Also at the beaches, another um, sign of springtime weather is jellyfish. So we had uh, reports, actually pictures of cannonball jellies washing up on Folly Beach and then today mushroom jellies, which these jellyfish usually only come here when the water temperature is about 67 to about 75 degrees and then they sort of, they dissipate. They don't really come after about 75, 76 degrees and the water temperature is still in the upper 50s. So we know that we're getting a southerly flow. We're getting more Bermuda high activity that's bringing these jellyfish up the coast. Of course, they're not going to live very long because the waters are just too cold for them. But they really thrive in these upper 60s to mid 70s. And we're already starting to see those washing up on the beaches. So, I mean, that's also another sign that sea breeze circulations will be increasing along the beaches as well without the marine layering or the decoupling of winds. So there's just, you know, all the signs for spring right here around the corner already in, in, in some spots. In some cases, you could almost say it's already here.
0: Yeah, and that's something uh, we've noticed here in western North Carolina as well. You know, we're starting to see some trees bud, and um, it's way early for that. But um, like you said, the the warm weather has been so prominent. I think there's been, um, in the past three weeks, there's been seven or eight days of 70 degrees or warmer temperatures here even in the western part of North Carolina. So uh, very abnormal, but um, I'm not complaining. I've caught fever so I'm ready for uh, the warm temperatures to stick around. Um, they can keep the snow up north so uh, very very thankful for the warm temperatures and uh, hopefully it'll bring around some rain because we're still uh, slightly in a drought uh, here in Western North Carolina. I know we talked about that a little bit last week but uh, those drought numbers are still there so another good uh, month of rainfall and we should be able to uh, kind of wipe those out. So. Let's uh, transition to our guest tonight. I know we're a little bit late, but I do want to bring in Chrissy Hurley. She is the warning coordinator meteorologist in Nashville, Tennessee. And Chrissy, you guys have had an exciting uh, few days as well.
4: Hello. We can hear you. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Well, thanks for having me uh, today. And uh, sorry about the technical difficulties. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, But what I thought, you know, take if y'all have some questions and whatnot and since we have a little bit of weather going on out in operations um i talked to one of the forecasters and he said that he would go through some of the things that we look at as far as um you know dissecting the storm and decision making process as far as uh, whether to issue a, a watch or warning uh, i mean uh, an advisory or warning so um you know just whatever you guys are, are interested in seeing um it is pretty quiet out there right now because stuff is pushing out of our forecast area but uh we do have some things that are are in our county warning area that we can show you so um
0: awesome whatever yeah. y'all do. that sounds good can you guys can you hear us pretty well is everything good
4: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good deal.
0: Uh-huh. All right. Well, first of all, uh, maybe before we get into what you guys are doing tonight, covering the storms, uh, kind of give us uh, a brief history about, uh, you know, we've been communicating via email. So you've been in some interesting weather offices. So Kind of tell us uh, your career so far with the, the weather service, where all you've been yeah. and, and maybe how you got interested in weather.
4: Um, well, I, I grew up in North Alabama, uh, just outside of Huntsville, a little town called Athens. And, uh, I have been obsessed with the weather since I was four years old and I just knew I was going to be a meteorologist. There was never ever any doubt whatsoever that this was what I was going to be doing. And when I was in third grade, so this is going to date me, um, the Huntsville tornado, November 15th, 1989 F4 tornado moved through the city. I was in third grade and it was my parents' wedding anniversary. And I begged my parents, please let me stay home from school. Something bad's going to happen. I want to, And really what I wanted to do is I wanted to sit there and watch Bob Barron and Gary Dobbs and Adrian Gibson all day long on the TV and watch their severe weather coverage. And, um, and so, you know, I did. And I saw, uh, you know, the tornadoes and, and they were unwarned. And at that age, at nine years old, I thought, you know, I, I got to do something. I got to help people. Uh, Twenty one people were killed. And, you know, as a nine year old, I think that just that just struck me. And, um, you know, my parents turned off the TV was the, the destruction was being shown on on, um, you know, and I remember when my parents went to bed that night at like 9.30 I got up and I watched the coverage all night long and stayed up so um, you know I've been obsessed with weather ever since and it was my dad who also had an obsession with weather that convinced me that, you know, I could do it, I could do the math and science, and he found um, the college in my state, University of South Alabama, down in Mobile, and uh, my parents made me stay in state, so I went to the farthest possible college, uh, six hours away, and uh, I got a meteorology degree, and what does every good college graduate do when they don't want to get a real job? Well, they go get a master's degree, and I got that from Mississippi State University. Uh, I got it in a geoscience, kind of as a backup, just in case, you know, maybe meteorology I couldn't get a job or something like that. And um, you know, my plan was to get a Ph.D. I wanted to get a Ph.D. I was going to do research, I guess. And my plan got derailed. My thesis advisor, Dr. Mike Brown, who's at Mississippi State, he said, "Hey, don't aren't you?" don't you live in Birmingham they have a summer internship at the National Weather Service and I was like well, well no but I need a job and um, I was like I just don't know if the National Weather Service is for me it's it's you know I pictured it was kind of like the 1970s black and white FBI you know fans going on skinny black ties and, and I just didn't think there were a lot of women in there and uh yeah it's pretty close to that. Let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I went over there and I got hired on the spot and I thought, well, great, great summer job. This is great. Um, I'm making some money. You know, I can finish my master's degree, maybe teach and, and go on to get my PhD. And it turned out to be a, a full-time job, a student internship. Uh, back in the day, they were called student career experience programs. And, you know, you talk about a person who got extremely lucky and fell backwards into their job. That would be me. And here I am 15 years later, almost. So I'm like the Doogie Howser uh, meteorologist is what I like to say. I started when I was 12, totally, because I'm 27 now. But, um, I have worked in five National Weather Service offices, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I was there for almost five years, Memphis, Tennessee for two and a half. And then I went to Huntsville, Alabama as a senior forecaster. And I thought, you know, here I am. I'm in my home office. It's where I grew up. I can, I can save those lives. These are my people. And I lasted 14 months (laughs) and I decided that my job, that my dream job was a warning coronation meteorologist. And I got that opportunity out in Amarillo, Texas of all places. And I thought, you know, I'm never ever going to move west of the Mississippi river. You know, they don't have pulled pork and sweet tea out there. And uh, I I kind of on a whim. I went out there and I loved it. It was the worst most terrible weather you could possibly imagine, but it was uh, quite fascinating as a meteorologist, and it gave me things that I didn't have on my resume, Um, like blizzards, dust storms, the dust bowl part two, Um, so I was there for four and a half years, and this opportunity in Nashville came, and I thought, you know, i I probably should get home. I, I really want some full pork. And, um, and so I've been here. It will be two years in May. I absolutely love it. This office is fantastic. Um, all of my offices I've ever worked at are fantastic, but, uh, you know, this one has a, a wonderful staff, a great meteorologist in charge. His name's Larry Venosi, He is fantastic and, uh, I couldn't be happier. And uh, a lot of things that, you know, we're doing now in the weather service, um, you know, it's a very service-oriented, and this this office definitely is is putting that to the forefront and uh, making these partnerships and building these relationships. So um, that's a little bit about me, I guess you could say. So I, I don't, not too much in the personal life. I'm, you know, single and I don't have kids. I don't have pets. So I guess you know, pretty much my job is is you know, my life and my family, and my friends. Um, so this is what I love doing.
0: That's awesome. And uh, we have one of our, our loyal followers, uh, Craig Cece, is actually watching tonight. And he uh, he said, I think uh, you guys may know each other. Uh, he was talking about, did you ever consider a career in broadcast meteorology?
4: Uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> I actually took a TV weather class in undergrad at University of South Alabama and Alan Seals, who is now the National Weather Association president, was my instructor. And I think his words were, Chrissy, you are the worst TV meteorologist I've ever seen. Um, I just didn't have that coordination down. I just I couldn't, couldn't get it. It was just weird. It was backwards. And, um, and so I, I knew I knew that was uh, not for me. And, you know, I have the personality and I could do on air stuff and I love doing interviews and that kind of thing. But that was definitely, definitely not me. And uh, I never thought the weather service and being a forecaster was me either. But uh, a little less pressure, you know, on looking, having the right look and, and all that. And, you know, I would say TV meteorology has drastically changed in the 15 years um, you know, it's unbelievable. I remember watching James Spann when I was in college at Mississippi State, saying the broadcast industry going to change. And you know what? He was right. So uh, it's definitely a different ballgame. Hey, my lights timed out on me because I don't move <laughs> enough. There we go. What well, do I? I know our TV
0: guys, James and there, David.
4: That is-
2: I was appreciating the energy efficient lights. <laughs>
4: Well, you know, you know, we, we, you know, it's it's tough budget times. We want to save yeah. tax-paying dollars, so uh, I, was yeah, I, I, my, I was thinking about turning my hands enough.
2: I was thinking about turning mine do off. That to me, but yes. <laughs> um, actually, uh, Scotty, if I could jump in and ask a question, because we were talking about your career and, and and your your love for your job for folks who are listening tonight. What yes. is your job? Can you explain it to them uh, and and let them yeah, know a little yeah, bit yeah, about yeah, sure. how that workflow kind of comes yeah. together.
4: Um, I'm the warning coronation meteorologist, and as I like to tell everyone, I am the lone extrovert in the National Weather Service office here. Um, <laughs> they would all laugh. I am, you know, very talkative, friendly, outgoing. I do somewhere between 100 and 125 presentations a year. And this could be the local Rotary Club. Um, it could be for emergency management. It could be for schools. Um Gosh, it could be for just about anybody. Um, And, you know, besides doing presentations, I am kind of like the public information officer, public relations person. If the stuff hits the fan, you know, I'm going to be the one that's on TV. And if it really hits the fan, it's going to be my boss. Um, So in big time events or or tornadoes or the news, people want a story. I can usually get something going for them. My other part of my job is building relationships and, uh, you know, keeping things going. I work very closely with the emergency management community. So those are the ones pulling the trigger on the sirens, um, you know, responding to disasters. And I'm in constant communication with emergency managers, um, you know, county, local, um, state, federal partners, of you know, emergency management. And so um, just today, for instance, I was with the Nashville Emergency Management Office and we toured Nissan Stadium where the Tennessee Titans play because we are looking to get them storm ready recognized, uh, which would be, I think, the third stadium, NFL stadium in the country. So that is a part of my job uh, this morning. And then this afternoon, I went to uh, the state Headquarters of the Tennessee Emergency Management Agency and talk to the Tennessee National Guard about planning an exercise where they are going to bring in a hurricane that doesn't track properly and stalls right over Tennessee and causes quite a bit of flooding. So, um, you know, my job varies day to day. And if there's weather, you know, one of my main things I do is I go out and I look at the damage, rate the tornado, determine if it's straight line winds um that kind of thing so i guess i i do a lot of things but mainly is to deal with the external public and when i'm not doing that and our forecasters like to take vacation they do let me drive the wheel sometimes and uh do the forecast and and issue some warnings if i guess if they're really desperate but i can i am an actual meteorologist too
0: so it sounds like chrissy you have the best job in the weather office right now <laughs>
4: I think, I think I do. I'm not responsible for anybody. And uh, I feel like I'm the one that I can, I can lead change. If there's something that our partners really need or emergency management, they, they need something, you know, I'm the one that kind of the liaison, like, you know, tell the forecasters, Hey, you know, a little more heads up during this winter weather event. Gosh, that, that could really help out. You know, maybe think about issuing that winter weather watch, a, a little sooner or, or something like that making decisions quicker um, I'm the one that kind of is in their ear reminding them that we're not issuing products for the National Weather Service and I think that's kind of what this agency was like maybe 15 20 years ago we're not doing it for us we're doing it for everybody else the ones that have to make decisions based on uh, what we issue
0: and I can speak because I, I do consult meteorology for some local emergency managements here, offices here in Western North Carolina, as well as the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So you're talking about the, the Titan Stadium yeah. being storm certified. We're mm-hmm. going through the process now of getting Charlotte Motor Speedway storm certified. So, uh, you, you, I mean, and a lot of people don't realize it's a lot of work for emergency managers, uh, stadium operators that, you know, you have 50, 60,000 people at, at this place, and if a storm comes through, it's a lot of responsibility. So um, a very commendable job that you do there to help everyone get prepared.
4: Yeah. I, I want, um, you know, then, the, the, you know, Nashville's kind of a unique city because so much is always going on. It's, it's, we have so many tourists, concerts, CMA fest, um, you know, Titans, outdoor activities. There's always something going on. And so, you know, the, the Nashville Emergency Management Office is, busy and if we can help that's that's what we like to do
2: christy i'm wondering if uh shay can pop up on the screen for us the radar image that we have up to kind of give folks an idea of what's kind of moving across your state right now and i'm not sure if it's outside your watch area or not at this point but i was wondering if you could shine a little light uh and give an example of kind of how the national weather service works especially on a day where you've got you know strong weather moving through the region
4: yeah um you know today I mean, yesterday we were dealing with a little bit of weather, Um, you know, today as, uh, you know, we were going through shift change right around four, um, Storm Prediction Center uh, sent out a mesoscale convective discussion, we call them MCD, SWO MCDs, and uh, to let us know that, hey, this area, prime time for, you know, thunderstorms to pop, some could be strong to severe, and uh, we ended up getting put under a severe thunderstorm watch. And so what we do is we have a conference call with the storm prediction center in Norman, Oklahoma. So I believe us and NWS Huntsville, maybe even NWS Birmingham, uh, Morristown, Knoxville area, um, on this conference call discussing what counties to put in the severe thunderstorm watch. And that was, that's really the first step. Um, Once we got the watch out, uh, you know, we have a radar operator who is there, whose sole purpose is to interrogate storms. Now, we cover 38 counties in Middle Tennessee, all the way from Tennessee River through Nashville metro area up to the Cumberland Plateau, and uh, you know, it's a big area, maybe for one person to watch if it's really active. So we could segment if needed. But uh, today, you know, storms started firing. We didn't get much in the way of severe weather reports. I came out there and kind of poked around social media and whatnot and didn't find a whole lot. We got a few reports of, um, pee to maybe dime size hail in some of these storms. And I got a great picture of a shelf cloud over in Waynesboro, our far southwestern county, uh, this afternoon, but, uh, nothing was severe and, um, mostly it was just, uh, You know, strong thunderstorms with some lightning strikes, and uh, there were a few severe thunderstorm warnings in North Alabama, Um, but those storms were a little bit stronger, it looked like.
2: I was actually just going to pop those up uh, using the Mm -hmm. shortcut there. They maybe are no longer active, but you were familiar with the region and familiar with the workflows of a lot of those offices, so are are some of those things that you just discussed probably going on or just went on in Northern Alabama and maybe elsewhere in the country?
4: Yeah. You know, I was actually uh, one of my best friends. She works in uh, the Huntsville office and uh, she was working this evening and and she sent me a message, um, you know, talking about what their storms were doing. I believe they had a severe thunderstorm warning out that included the, the cater Athens area uh, where I grew up. I got a text message on it because I have alerts for that because my mom still lives in Athens. Um, and, you know, just, uh, saying that they hadn't got much in the way of reports or anything to send it Things were moving into a little better stable air and, and dying off here. But, um, but you know, they're just like us. They have a smaller area. They cover 14 counties. And, um, you know, they probably go through the, the same thing. There's one main radar operator. And uh, even though we're maybe in severe weather mode, our normal routine – Uh, Duties still have to get done. So the aviation forecasts that are due at 530 p.m. still had to get issued because planes are still taking off and landing at Nashville International Airport. So, uh, you know, all across, you know, the the Alabama offices and Nashville and Morristown, you know, we kept someone over from the day shift uh, two hours just to make sure that we got everything covered we we even have to launch a weather balloon every day twice a day at 5 p.m so make sure we got all those routine duties done uh, before we handed over the radar to the evening shift
3: now
0: chrissy i got a question for you sorry Scotty, do you want to go ahead uh well maybe because i think this is piggy going to piggyback what she was talking about i'm sorry shay um we were talking about you were talking about the coordination with the storm prediction center uh Mm -hmm. in Norman. talk Maybe for our followers who who are not as weather savvy uh, as some of us are, um, you guys as an individual office can can issue uh, severe thunderstorm watches or uh, does that that come from the uh, Storm Prediction Center? So a lot of questions uh, being asked (laughs) to us. Does the individual weather offices issue these or is this come from Norman, Oklahoma? So
4: maybe kind of clarify. Can I answer it both? Um, It it is kind of funny how it works. when the Storm Prediction Center wants to issue a severe thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch, they send this thing called a NIMNAD, And I cannot tell you what that even means. Um, it's like some notification message. And uh, that's a, a clue to the offices in there that we're going to do a conference call with the Storm Prediction Center. And, you know, they throw out there what they propose. And if we don't like it or we want to add counties, we want to take away counties, it's our prerogative uh we know our local area pretty well so you know if we don't want to include the Nashville metro area because you know if if we kept them under say a tornado watch unnecessarily that's going to cost them quite a bit of overtime money when there may be no threat so we keep that in mind and try to you know minimize how many counties are impacted um but we also want to do a good forecast. So we, we negotiate with surrounding offices. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't put, not put in, you know, one County uh, that would make it look kind of weird and, and funky if it didn't match up with perfectly with Huntsville or Louisville or Morristown. Um, so we try to keep it, you know, a, a consistent flavor and uh, that makes meteorological sense. So, like I said, storm prediction center throws it out there, but um, you know, we really we negotiate and, and and discuss, and most of the time it's it's spot on. It's what we want. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe we don't want to include that go that far north because we don't think anything will happen. So,
0: and then you guys, for our followers who are watching, who are asking the question, you guys are responsible for all the warnings that are issued, um, either severe that's or that's correct,
4: right. Yes, all the advisories and warnings, we are uh, responsible for that. So that severe thunderstorm warning for Tuscaloosa County right there, uh, the National Forest Service Office in Birmingham uh, issued that. So. And I yep. think
0: that Shay, uh, I knew Shay had uh, maybe a question. We were, we were talking before you came on, talking about the local effects of how weather maybe affects your area. So, Shay, um, this might be a good time to, uh, to ask that one.
3: Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're primarily lee side of the mountain range with our weather pattern that goes from west to east across the country. Do you see, what, what kind of interesting features do you see in Nashville and in eastern Tennessee that is unique for your area versus being on the lee side, you're on the windward side?
4: Huh. Um, unique. Unique. I know. One of the things that you don't think about, I think, with the state of Tennessee, um, and and where that's kind of my area of expertise with that, um, you know, one would think as far as severe weather days, severe weather threat, what part of the state do you think is most active in severe weather? Where would you think?
0: Pop quiz. Uh... I would would say Memphis.
4: Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think most people would say uh, is the Memphis area. But did you know that it's actually Cumberland Plateau in East? East Tennessee has the most active severe weather days in the state. Uh, somewhere like 33, 34 days uh, of severe weather possible within 25 miles of your location. Most of it is straight line wind damage. Almost all of it is straight line winds. Um, they get a lot more straight line winds in East Tennessee. West Tennessee has a higher tornado threat, typically, so in southern middle Tennessee. And, um, and so that's that's one of the things that I think when I first came here, it kind of surprised me. It's like, whoa. Um, but I think that's, that's one of those uh, influences that, you know, the higher elevations do have that we see in East Tennessee. Uh, definitely lower tornado uh, counts that occur in East Tennessee. However, on November 29th of last year, a couple of EF3 tornadoes struck, uh, Athens, Tennessee, McMinn County, um, you know, right around just North of Chattanooga off of, uh, what was that? Interstate 75. So, um, you know, it, it's not uniformed, but that is one of the things that I have noticed.
0: And talking about straight line damage and wind, um, your, your your job is to communicate that to the general public. Here in Western North Carolina, I know you guys see it just as well over there, is a lot of people don't take the straight-line damage and wind threat serious. When, when when we're doing a forecast, we say, you know, the primary threat is going to be damage and wind, straight-line winds, and if they don't hear the word tornado, they they just totally tune out right. of that. They're like, nothing's going to happen, but, you know, nine times out of ten, damage and straight-line winds are, are the main cause of damage you know anywhere here in the southeast besides Alabama Mississippi where we see, normally see tornadoes so how, how do you your job how do you communicate that threat to people saying hey you really do need to take this more serious um uh you know you may well, think that a gusty wind can't do anything but it really can
4: yeah um it, it is kind of interesting you know living out in the Texas panhandle where there is absolutely nothing you can see for miles and miles and miles, you know, we would have windy days and the gusty straight line winds and, and nothing would happen. You know, no, we, we would barely even get damage reports. We would issue severe thunderstorm warnings, 70 mile hour winds expected. And, and, and we struggled to get reports. You come here and, uh, It seems like if you sneeze, a Bradford pear goes down. Um, So one of the things I think is a huge threat that that I remember growing up and being scared because we had some woods in our backyard, trees falling on homes. And that is a huge threat. And I think that's why you see straight line winds. um, You know, I believe it is it is really up there probably just behind flash floods as far as the number one weather related uh, killer in East Tennessee, at least. So maybe even middle in East Tennessee straight line winds. Um, gosh, not too long ago, we had not even that strong of winds. And uh, we had a car. Come on. There we go. We had a car that, um, they, that a tree fell on. They weren't injured, but it was right down the road here at the office. And I think this is back in December. The winds were high, 40, 45 mile per hour winds. So um, it is a huge threat. It's very difficult to communicate. Um, and, and I think people do take it seriously when it's like a, a Boeing segment and you have the TV meteorologist really saying, hey, this could be you know, 70, 80 mile per hour winds. But it's, it's, it seems like the, the lower end winds, um, you know, they, they catch people off guard. Oh, well, I, didn't, I didn't think it was gonna be that strong. Um, and the trees, you know, there's, there's just so many trees that that is, that is definitely a huge threat around here. Probably mm-hmm. much more, like you said, than tornadoes in a lot of instances, especially across East Tennessee.
0: And you guys also have to deal with a lot of flooding in, in Nashville. I know it seems like yeah. Nashville is like one of those places you think of Houston, Nashville, you know, where you see a lot of flash flooding take place. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk a little bit about that and your experience with that and, and dealing with the public. Uh, all of us here on the panel know uh, for some reason people like to drive through flooded waters. So, uh, you know, I, know. But- I,
4: I always say, you know, <laughs> if you saw a fire ahead, would you would you drive into the fire? No, no. So why, why would you drive through water? Um, you know, middle Tennessee is a a little edgy when it comes to floods. You know, the, the May 2000, May 1st, May 2nd, 2010 floods. I was actually working in Huntsville at the time. So, you know, I was to the South. I've, I was forecasting all that week. I was forecasting major floods for Northwest Alabama and I missed it by about 80 miles. (laughs) So I bested a forecast. Meanwhile, Nashville has their rainiest and third rainiest day back to back. Uh, And they just, they had already had a wet spring. They couldn't handle it. And, um, and, you know, it's one of those things where I think if you, if you just don't, you can't fathom it unless you walk downtown Nashville, Uh, you know, walking in Titan Stadium, the water was all the way up to the first row of seats. Mm-hmm. inside the stadium and that's just it's mind-blowing when you're on the field and you see that uh, so the water was seven eight feet high inside the stadium um so flooding is a big deal and i think that kind of helped you know spark that outreach for flooding um but you know it still happens that's probably our number one weather related Uh, killer. Tennessee is flash flooding. When we had tornadoes, December 23rd, 2015, we had an EF3, two EF2s, and maybe an EF1. um, So four tornadoes, two days before Christmas, moderate risk, you know, big time. We had two fatalities in Perry County with the EF2. And that's all the media could talk about. With the two fatalities caused by the tornado, it was a mobile home, they didn't take shelter, that kind of thing. What they didn't talk about was that we had four people die in flash floods that same day, that same night, not, not anything talked about them. So, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those that got it. And, you know, we kind of brushed it off to the side sometimes, but, you know, my first year here, 2015, we had easily a dozen flash flood fatalities and most of them were, you know, not making smart decisions or at night, the road was closed. Well, it's not for me, you know, so I'm going to go around the barricade. Um, So it, it really is a struggle. And so when I give these spotter talks or severe weather safety presentations, you know, I throw in video of people not being very smart. And so everybody starts laughing and giggling and that kind of thing. But you know, I always say, I don't want you on my next video, my next presentation, or I don't want to write a report about you to my regional headquarters, that kind of thing. And when I go do school talks, I tell all those kids, you have my permission to yell at your parents if they drive across a flutter road. Um, so, you know, I think it starts, starts young. Oh, there, there's a picture right there.
0: Yeah. So this was last yeah. year I was in Nashville and that's the stadium, Nissan Stadium. And as Chrissy was mm-hmm. telling about, imagine, you know, the river there being on, on the... Yeah, that the bank state was
4: state. completely underwater right there. That green grass, completely underwater. And then the stadium, about eight eight feet of water wow. inside the stadium. So, like, all the locker rooms, everything was just inundated. it, it It's just, it's amazing that, um, you know, even downtown, you know, you go along First Avenue and up to Second Avenue. Um, I mean, all that was just flooded. And... And, you know, there is a silver lining to that. You know, what we saw April 16th, 1998 in Nashville, you know, F2 tornado goes through town, pretty much on the north end of downtown into East Nashville. And we saw a lot of growth and boom from that. Um, What did we see from the floods? Guess what? A lot of growth, a lot of boom. Uh, Something like 80 new people move into Nashville every day now. I mean, it's insane. So, I think there is a silver lining with the disasters. It, it kind of forces the community to reinvest in itself. And, and uh, you know to, so you have to see the positives and that kind of thing. I don't want disasters by any stretch of the matter, but um, you know, good things do come out of that um, stuff.
3: Ritzy, I got a question for you. And, uh, and this is um, something that, uh, it's, it's a constant topic of when you have a major event, and you're trying to get the word out. Social media seems to spread like wildfire. And how does your office integrate with social media outlets? Uh, I know the local weather stations and TV stations do some coverage but we don't get much national media coverage on on immediate events like we used to. So how do you get the word out from Nashville and and into other WFOs across the area that hey we've got some serious flooding going on or about to occur and how do you prepare you're, you're, you're basically the, the people in your area, the population for it.
4: Well, you know, I think we're kind of one of the, the luckier national weather service offices as far as social media. Um, my previous counterpart, the previous warning coordination meteorologist, Tom Johnstone, who is now in Corpus Christi, Texas, he made a friendship partnership uh, with a couple of guys that were running a, this Twitter account called Nash Severe Weather. And, uh, instead of trying to, I guess, you know, compete with them or tell them to stop tweeting about weather, you know, Tom invited them into the office and said, you know, you have all these followers, here's how you can help us. And so we have a huge following. There they are right there. Nash severe weather. Um, they use the hashtag T spotter, uh, like Tennessee spotter, T spotter, and, during severe weather events, they are invaluable. In fact, uh, they won the Public Service Award at the National Weather Association meeting in Norfolk in September. These, these guys are absolutely amazing. Um, I can't say enough wonderful things about them. They cover Davidson and Williamson County, which are the two main counties for Nashville. And they have other folks that cover the di- other different counties, they, uh, probably about 20 counties in Middle Tennessee. And during severe weather events, instead of us wasting our time going through social media reports, seeing if it's a good report or not, they actually volunteer their time because they're weather nuts and they love weather. And they go through the reports. They make sure that things look good. They're in our NWS chat room. They're you know, typing. They're tweeting back to us. Constant communication. They have over, I think, like 80,000, 85,000 followers on Twitter or measly. I think we might maybe have like 14,000. Um, so, you know, they get, I think they've gotten a few retweets by Taylor Swift. So they're reaching way more of, of middle Tennessee, Nashville than, than we can. So we kind of piggyback on them and they use our warnings. They use our watches, they use our information. Um, but they can do all the things that we can't do, like, you know, funny memes and, and funny animated gifts. And, um, you know, so, so they have the personality and these guys they, they are a hoot and uh, they're very active in our local national weather association. In fact, uh, one of them's president of it. And like I said, I can't say enough great things. We're, we're one of the lucky ones, whereas I think some forecast offices feel like they're competing with private entities and, and people who want to help, but you know, they, they feel like, Oh, they're tweeting bad information instead of reaching out to them to form this type of partnership, like they probably should. Instead, they they kind of feel a little bit of angst. Whereas our office has the right kind of attitude, like, hey, you know, this is how you can help us. Oh, my gosh, this is great. And uh, they've come, you know, with us, like, hey, th- this this picture that keeps getting shared on, on Facebook, that's an old picture. We reversed Google image search. It's from 10 years ago. You know, that's stuff that we don't necessarily have time to do and verify this kind of stuff. These guys are doing it for us. And, you know, I can't imagine working a severe weather event without them. And we're constant communication. And if it's not through social media, they're constantly texting, you know, a couple of us in the office and, um, so that's kind of how we use social media. We we kind of go through them. We have our own accounts, uh, you know, at NWS Nashville and our Facebook page, um, and then we are also one of the few offices that's getting to test Periscope. But we have way more fans on Facebook, so maybe one day we can test Facebook Live.
3: I think that's fantastic. You know, we, we I do a little bit of that with the <laughs> Weather Service Charleston here, and mm-hmm. it's nice because I get I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. We even have a couple of guys uh, TV Mets here that are doing Snapchats, yes, uh, or, or Snapcasts they call them. So yes. you know you're you're reaching out. I mean these guys in, in Tennessee they probably have a wider audience in Facebook or an extended audience in Facebook, Instagram, all these other accounts, and so they get pictures and people like to share pictures and share spotter information that is invaluable for you guys and everyone yeah. else around. So the, the, that's great that you're using them. To help you out on the social media platform, rather than saying no, don't do that. Uh, yes, that's fantastic. So that's that's kudos to y'all for that. That's great.
4: Yeah, I, I love the Snapchat thing. I uh, I had an emergency manager, I guess, take a picture of a of a little funnel cloud last summer, and he sent it to me on Snapchat, and I was like, <laughs> bro, come on, it disappears in ten seconds. I can't tell you <laughs> if that's a real funnel cloud or not. Come on. Um, so he he instead he took a video of it and he texted me. <laughs> And he was like, I didn't even think about it. Um, so I always like to make the joke that we should be doing our forecasts in Snapchat because they disappear and no one will know what we said, right?
0: That's true.
3: I do like Periscope. Uh, I've been seeing that around some of the WFOs, and I think it's fantastic that they kind of uh, – I think Steven Taylor here in Charleston, he he sort of – he'll get on the horn and he'll go around with his, with his phone and he'll film – the individual, we'll have the journeyman, then we'll have the, the senior meteorologist or, or right. senior forecaster, yeah. and sort of go to each station and say, tell us what's going on here. Tell us what's going on there. What did you find in the sounding? You know, yeah. What did you find in the uh, severe weather or the flooding? Uh, you know, it's just yeah, fantastic.
4: If, if I did that, they would all go run to the back room. No, 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 Chrissy. No, we don't want to be on camera. So it is kind of funny how they, they see a camera and they're like, they're gone. So they're like, that's what you get paid
0: to do. <laughs> <laughs> now, you were talking, Chrissy. You guys can't say much because I don't know who it is in your forecast office, but they put some of the, together some of the best forecast discussions there has ever been. I mean, I love reading some of the forecast discussions that come mm-hmm. out of your office. They, uh, I don't know who it is, but the, the, they do a great job.
4: What, what, what is it? What's the, do you know what the initials are?
0: I, I haven't paid attention. I, there's, um, there's
4: one guy that's a uh, very famous, I guess you could say, uh, Bobby boy. Oh one. Um, he just retired January 3rd after 50 years of federal government service, 50 wow. years. He worked 47 years in the national service, all shift work. Now, can you imagine working, rotating shift work for 47 years? I sure can't. Uh, in fact, I have 21 years, one month and one day to, or two months and one day before I can retire. Not that I'm counting. Um, but uh, but Bobby, he just retired and he had some of the, the best uh, forecast discussions. He was like a, a walking climatological book. You could say, hey, Bobby, we've been really warm this winter. When's the last time we were we were warm? And he'd be like, well, Chrissy, that was 1986, and and that spring we got hammered with severe weather, and and I, uh, you know, I, I walked in on shift at 2:30 that day, and you know that that was his story. So uh, we definitely miss him, and uh, you know he was always a very pleasant person. No matter what shift he was working, what he was doing, he was great. And uh, at almost 70 years old, he worked a double shift. Uh, when we had eight inches of snow and people couldn't get to the office and uh, he didn't mind and you couldn't even, you couldn't tell. So, you know, it's great having those type of people as co-workers that uh, really, you know, put service above self kind of stuff. So, yeah, he I definitely mean, missed and uh, he always gave the media some little tidbits here and there. And, you know, La Nina is doing this. So watch for, you know, these type of. can, I mean, he was always doing that kind of stuff. So I know they definitely miss him.
0: It was, for I sure. mean, it was just, it was, you know, you read forecast discussions, but those, uh, those are just really, really real wit. let try yeah, that again. And, and some really of our, I know, I,
4: <laughs> I know one of our forecasters who's, probably one of our quietest forecasters you know he he doesn't say much and uh, he writes some of the best Facebook and and Twitter posts um I think on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day he said we would drop the radar dome at midnight but the higher ups probably wouldn't like that or something like that and he just had some really funny things and and uh, no he does not do NWS podoc so yeah, that's the best
0: account. That is the best account. Man.
4: I, <laughs> I did ask him, I was like, is this you? And he's like, no, <laughs> he's like, I wish it was me. <laughs> but...
2: um, I have one last question uh, for yeah. you tonight. And I'm just wondering if you can share some context over the, over the years from yourself or from your colleagues on how things have kind of changed in the, in the landscape of social media and TV, because uh, in your current role working with outside agencies, is there ever a conversation with, broadcast digital operations? Because when you guys send that warning out now, it's no longer, of course, just going to weather radios. It's going to TV crawls and mobile apps. And is there ever a conversation like, Chrissy, you guys are just making all these things blow up all at once?
4: Um, You know, we have...
2: And I'm not critiquing you. I'm just wondering if you ever get feedback. No, Did it's kind of interesting. Have... Um, you guys hold all that power. Past... <laughs>
4: <laughs> this past December, uh... We actually had, we gathered all of our emergency managers in one room and all of our local TV meteorologists in one room and then National Service meteorologists in one room. So we had about 60 people all in one room, and we just sat and talked for about five hours. And we talked about how, you know, we could help them, what we could do here, um, what we need from them. And so it was so great because a lot of the broadcast TV meteorologists did not know exactly what the emergency managers do. And then on the flip side, I think emergency managers kind of always thought, oh, the broadcast TV meteorologists they're such a pain. You know, uh, they don't understand what we do and they didn't understand what their demands are that, that, that the news director, the general manager dictates kind of what they report on and, and that kind of thing. So it was great to all be together. And I will tell you that I think Nashville um, has one of the best TV markets. Don so Amarillo was, was fantastic. And it was a small market. And it was great. And uh, you know, a lot, a lot of news going on. So we would talk about weather a lot there um, here. We don't do that as much as a bigger city, but uh Gosh, anytime we interact with them, it's fantastic. And we're probably one of the few markets where all four TV stations can be in the same room and nobody wants to kill each other. It's great. They all work together. Um, they all g- genuinely like each other, respect each other. And, um, you know, we have meetings with them yearly. And uh, we're very lucky. And, you know, if they have a complaint or something like that, you know, I, I listen to their concerns. And, you know, if it deems action... You know, I'll definitely you know talk it over with the staff, and and we'll have a meeting, and try to find solutions to that. So, you um, know, I mean, we're always open to that. Whereas, I, I truly think when I first got in this agency, we may not have been so open. Um, a lot of these, you know products we would issue maybe as a a cya gonna cover this oh i'm gonna i'm gonna send this product out so just in case something happens whereas i think now we have more of the mindset of service and um just just you know helping the customer and the partner and the emergency manager and and the tv meteorologist and and helping them communicate and make the right decisions
0: i have to say um you got one of our good buddies, uh, Henry Rothenberger. He uh, just moved to Nashville. He is a great guy. You guys have got a a rock star in him. He is awesome. Yeah,
4: actually, uh, I worked with him when he was in Memphis, and I was a forecaster in Memphis. So we go way back. In fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, we went to a hockey game together, a Preds game. So uh, we go way back, and he is fantastic. And uh, he's brought a lot more more involvement with Channel 5, him and uh, Bree Smith. And and then Leland's there, so um yeah, it, it's great. I'm glad he's here, and not there.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's a rock star. He mm-hmm. and I would always catch up at Carolina Panther games. So yeah, yeah, I know we miss him about that. Shay, do you have a question? Because uh, I had one I want to ask, and then if it's not too late, uh, Chrissy, if you have to go, please let us know. But I was going to okay. see if you. If you would, kind of walk us through your office and kind of let us have a yeah, sure. kind of look at that. But um, Shay, I'll let you go ahead and then we'll kind of uh, finish up and let Chrissy take us through the office real quick. Okay.
3: I, I think I'm good, Scotty. I mean, you guys, you covered a lot of bases. You you had a lot of questions. I was thinking of the same thing. and um, yeah, I, I, My main one was, was the, the weather there and the social media platforms that you use. So I think I'm, I'm good to go. But James, did you have anything?
0: All right, he's shaking his head. All right, my last question for you, Chrissy, before we kind of take a look, and I'm sorry it's kind of scattered. We got off to a crazy start. But I know, you're
4: good.
0: Working in all the offices, I mean, Birmingham, Huntsville, um, Nashville, you know, you, you've worked in severe weather alley, per se. Uh, is there any memorable day or, or events that kind of stick out to you that are like, man, I can't believe I covered that, you know? To me, the Birmingham, the Tuscaloosa tornado would, you know, would come to my – what are some right. events that that maybe you've worked or, or one that sticks out and say, man, I can't believe you know, we just saw that?
4: Well, um, you know, I moved out of Alabama six months before the 2011, April 2011 tornadoes happened. Um, but I got deployed to Birmingham to help out because I was familiar with the area to help out with surveys, TV, media interviews. Um, so that that was like one of those like, wow, you know, I felt like. I I helped even though, you know, I, I couldn't, uh, really, you know, I didn't help with the event and, you know, that event was, was very terrifying because, you know, my coworker, his mom and sister lost their house, but they were fine in Tuscaloosa. And, um, my mom was a mile and a quarter from the EF5 tornado that moved through just south of Athens, Alabama. So, you know, that event was, it was just I think it was a nice wake-up call from urologist here we were getting kind of cocky like hey look at all these lives we're saving look at all this great stuff we're doing all oh, but um, as far as me personally I've worked I I worked super Tuesday the the tornado outbreak uh, February 5th 2008. Uh, but the funny story on that was before I got to work, I actually had to take cover in my own home. And the office called me and they're like, Chrissy, you know, a tornado has been pouring out. On, it's on the ground. It's coming straight for your house. And I actually said, well, can I just get in my car and outrun it? And, and here I am, the one that teaches this kind of stuff. And I'm like, why did I just say that? And I think it's that, that panic, you know, flight or flight you know, fright kind of thing. And uh, so I um I got in the hallway closet, got the cat, got some cash, got my shoes, got my car keys, and the tornado lifted about a mile and a half to my southwest and then went back down um to my northeast and had debris all in my yard. But luckily my house wasn't hit and then I went straight to work and worked like twelve hours that night. So wow. um that one sticks out but uh probably probably some of the wildest Craziest weather was in Amarillo, Texas. Oh, my gosh. I, I got stuck at the office during a blizzard for like 36 hours. Our yeah, winds gusted to 77 miles per hour. I mean, it was just like, it was nuts. Wow.
1: Like
4: I I just remember everybody thought we were a tech dot and asking if the roads were closed or open. And I would just answer the phone. The roads are closed. The roads are closed. <laughs> <laughs> the roads are closed. The roads are closed. Um, and it was amazing. We did this blizzard event and no one lost their life it was just kind of crazy um and then we had a big wildfire day uh, out there too and i think that was when i was like oh my gosh I've, i never worked wildfires you know there was dust yeah quarter mile visibility if you could ever imagine driving to work and you have no idea where those fires are i mean that is just like "Whew." That, that that was that was one of the scarier ones because the fire wasn't that far from the office and we could see the, the black smoke. And um, I mean, it was just, no one lost their life, but it was like 88 homes were burned in Amarillo in this city. So it was just, no thanks. That was another reason I was like, mm, I'm getting east. So um, yeah, so I, I would say, in, in reliving the Dust Bowl. I mean, how many people can say they did that? we were actually drier in three and a half years than we ever were in the 1930s. Wow. And they blamed me. So I moved away and what happened, they got like 37 inches of rain that year. So uh, my first full year there, they got seven inches. The year I left, they got 37. So I take, I take full responsibility for that.
0: (laughs) That is, that is crazy. I would say so. Yeah. 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 yeah you have to be the, the range. No,
4: so you want a here. a tour yeah let me see okay yeah i can do it right quick um let me see what i've we do.
0: never done this before on our show so this is a first
4: <laughs> all right so let's see here there we go so this is the operations area so maybe nashville um you know, we have different workstations. These two workstations up front here are going to be the ones that uh, are going to be our main radar operators, folks issuing the warnings. And as you can see, nobody's there. But in a big severe weather event, that's um, what we would. Um, we have a situational awareness display where we watch local TV. Uh, we have radar up here. Let's see if we'll focus on that. Um, we have social media. Platform where it's you know everything from hashtag T spotter, uh, Nash severe weather helping us out, you know, the weather channel, news, our rivers, all that kind of thing, and then taking it around in the back station. So we have three more workstations. There's John and Jason working this evening, they definitely died down. <laughs> they say hello, we're down to uh, two people right now, so um. The weather has definitely calmed down. Justin's already gone home for the day, so um, yeah, so so things are are going well at uh, at the weather bureau. Let's see if Justin kept things logged in. Doesn't look like he did.
2: I want that seat in front of all those monitors. That's a nice nice
3: little command center, and and you can watch your favorite shows tonight too. You
4: know, I know, right?
3: During severe weather, no,
4: no, not at all. (laughs) and th- this is what we're looking at. So we have, you know, on our AWIPS is what it's called. And we're looking at the different radars and, you know, you know, velocity, a dual pole, all that kind of information. And, and, you know, it updates. And and that's what we're monitoring, you know, constantly during these situations. And not much is going on right now. So, um moving out. So that is good news for us. And it is currently 39 degrees. When I got back in the office this afternoon, it was 68. So wow. I don't have a jacket. So I might regret that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a dramatic chill down.
4: <laughs> yeah, you would think a meteorologist would have, uh, you know, Plan we're the better. ones that don't
0: have the umbrella or the rain jacket in the car. <laughs>
4: no, I never <laughs> do. I never do. They they know better. They know I don't. So
0: we're still yeah. holding
2: on to sixty here in Charlotte. I think as of the nine o'clock observation, but I think that's not going to last very long. What the? Here in Charlotte, you we um, got you know we still got a little bit of heat, but not not for much longer. You said you're down to thirty yeah.
4: something. We are thirty nine. I just looked Ooh. at our uh, our right there. Let's see. Where is it? There's a little bit of what's coming this way. There it is. So that's here. Can I do it backwards here? Let me see. Oh. 39.1. So that's where we are right now. Very awesome.
0: Well, Chrissy, we don't we don't want to keep you too long. It sounds like you've had a busy day, so um, yeah, we appreciate you coming on.
4: Oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome, and And thank uh, you for having me.
0: Yeah, and hopefully we can, we'll have you back on sometime. Uh, if you want to, uh, we always give our guests uh, the opportunity to share, share their social media account or uh, or the Weather Service social media account uh, if you want to. So here's yeah, your time I to did, do that.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I am WCM, because that's my job title, WCM underscore Chrissy, K-R-I-S-S-Y. Pretty easy. I just hope I never get another job in the weather service because I'll have to change that. (laughs) WCM underscore Chrissy, and that's where you can find me on Twitter.
0: And if you follow us on Twitter, we've really blown Chrissy's timeline up today. So you can just click on that and uh, be able to follow her. So Chrissy, thanks for coming on. If you want to stick around after the show, you can. Uh, I have a question I do want to ask you. But if you have to know, I can just email it to you. But uh, James, I know you guys are going to do a quick weather tease for uh, the Charlotte area before we Uh, –
2: Well, yeah, not not just the Charlotte area. And if Chrissy's sticking around, I'm afraid she might critique my forecast. uh, No, I don't critique. No. This is is not going to be – this is going to be a very high-level forecast. But for folks who are with us live this evening, I know we've got – some weather coming our way and I'm going to ask Shay if he can pop my screen share back up on my second monitor again. I just kind of want to walk through at a high level for everyone what we could be looking at here in the next few hours or so. Uh, And there you have it. Looking at the National Weather Service graphic, uh, you can see that we do have that low pressure. Over the southeast, that area shaded there in yellow is the area we spent a good amount of time looking at tonight on radar and talking about storms and already kind of moved through Chris's area and they're cooling down and that's what's going to be coming in to the Carolinas in the next few hours. So looking at our Carolina Weather Group radar right now, you can see that if you are in the Charlotte area Or just to the east of the Charlotte area, uh, heading off towards uh, Fayetteville, you got a nice good rumble of thunder, which happened for me during our show. Luckily, the power didn't go out. But we will have some more activity back behind that uh, if these storms kind of hold together as they uh, do come into uh, that mountainous divide there between Tennessee and North Carolina. We can expect more rumbles of thunder Uh, during the overnight. Uh, One thing I was watching while we were talking, we got uh, a report of some small hail that came right in there at the Bristol line between Tennessee and Virginia. Couldn't find any pictures of it just yet, but those are types of things that we're going to be watching for uh, in the uh, weather overnight. Uh, So we talked about this earlier, and here it is, uh, the Storm Prediction Center uh, putting uh, most of the western part of the Carolinas, as well as parts of Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee into that slight risk Uh, And that's mainly, I think, going to be for maybe the chance of some small hail, but maybe some damaging wind embedded with some of the thunderstorms. And so here it is, a look at uh, our most recent short-term high-resolution model here. And you can see some of that rain I was showing you on radar moving into the Carolinas over the overnight. So you may hear a rumble of thunder, maybe a weather radio or two uh, going off during the overnight hours. But uh, what this is really going to turn into, and I think the big headline that we're all going to walk away with, And I have to talk about it just briefly. (laughs) It's Oh, wow, that's updated since I last looked at it. Okay, um, the
1: the snowstorm. Wow, that's really
2: good. This is the first time I'm seeing 18 in this forecast, so I'm getting taken back by that a little. But uh, we do have a blizzard warning up for Suffolk County, eastern end of Long Island. Uh, This is the New York City office in Islip, or not in Islip, excuse me, in... uh, Oh, I should, uh, Brookhaven National Labs, uh, is the, uh, forecast area we're looking at right now. So this, uh, low will go out to see intensify and dump a ton of snow, uh, for our friends from Boston, Connecticut. Uh, our friend, uh, Peter was on his Facebook page earlier. Um, and by the way, I just do want to point this out because we talked about this a little bit during our own snowstorm, but here it is again from, uh, the office here in the New York city metro area, they're expecting at least this much snow. This is that experimental National Weather Service graphic. So at least six inches of snow, which is higher than it was before. Uh, The graphic I just popped up, most likely going to see about a foot of snow across Long Island. Again, this is going to be a low that's out to sea, so it's going to intensify further to the east. And the kind of worst case scenario, could be looking at about a foot and a half. Uh, And what I really do like about these graphics, and again, these are experimental, but and it seemed to kind of have ironed out a bug before, because before I was looking at a range from 4 inches to like 18 inches, and I was like, what Uh, are these probabilities? So I would say I'm not much of a betting man, but I would be willing to bet on at least a foot of snow in most places, thereabouts. Maybe not quite going with 18, but then again, I'm just playing the numbers game right now and haven't actually looked at this in great depth, but this will be our weather story over the next few days as the Northeast against to get pounded but i do okay oh chrissy walker yeah yeah thank I, you James. I, I, I must have bored her oh so.
4: yeah yeah you totally <laughs> did
3: great cool yeah. thanks yeah um, james can you go back to spc uh yeah, back look i want to see what the percentages they have uh, if you could scroll over the tornado wind and hail there's okay, so tornadoes too percentage? okay <laughs>
2: There's hail, 15%, kind of in that same slight region area. If you're listening on our podcast, uh, this is gonna be, again, that Western Carolina, Northern Georgia, Northeastern Alabama, and that far western edge of Tennessee, and here is the hail uh, as well. So maybe we won't get too much of the hail uh, in our neck of the woods, Shay. Gotcha, thank you. Yeah, and by the way, did anybody else watch today as that slight box just kind of grew bigger and bigger and bigger? It's kind of like, oh, it's spreading.
0: It did. It got bigger. And uh, I'll tell you, the dew points actually in the Charlotte area are now in the mid, uh, I'm sorry, mid to upper 50s, close to 60. So that kind of tells you there's some some moisture to work with as uh, the next batch of storms move in. So Chrissy, if you are still listening, uh, if you have any input on the uh, most likely, least likely, and worst case scenario snowfall graphics, I want to give you guys two to three thumbs up. I have
4: any input that well my, my our southern region is not participating in this experiment right now.
0: You guys need to because that is a great product. That's something that we've used all winter long. I mean, we've not had much snow to talk about, but uh, it's, it's really, really helpful at least. When you're trying to share it uh, to the public, this is this is the uncertainty of what we could see. We could go from nothing to 12 inches. So I, I really like. Really Good, I'm it. glad it to hear it. It that. Helps, helps explain things a little bit better because if we don't call for six inches, if we call for six inches of snow and you only get three, we get we get rocks thrown at us. It's it's not fun. <laughs> i need
3: to preach preaching to the choir, <laughs> Scotty. Yeah. yeah, we want we want the weather service to take the brunt of that one. Didn't
0: Blacksburg start that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. for some reason there's a difference between six and three but i, I don't know what it is i mean it's hey hey try
4: try getting hammered uh we got hammered we said up to one inch and we officially got point four and we still got thrown under the bus so um sometimes you just can't win you know yeah.
2: see that's yeah. what i think is not fair anything. I grew up in New York, and it was always zero to three, three to six, six plus, right, where, like, the expectations the public had for the meteorologists, and here, it's like, where, I want to know every half-inch <laughs> contour, like, the
0: science just doesn't exist.
3: <laughs> yeah, they want to know how much it's going to be in the front yard, and then how much in the backyard.
0: Yeah. By the oak tree in my backyard, how much is it going to snow? So. All right, we are running way over, so thanks for watching the Carolina Weather Group tonight. I will not be here next week, uh, but you guys are in trusty hands with Shay, and uh, James and David and Ricky will be back. Ricky was actually in Nashville today. Um, uh, he was shooting a story for something for the Weekend Traveler. So um, we said, well, you should just stop by and hung out with Chrissy. But
4: uh, I know Ricky,
0: Ricky will be back next week. I will be in Oklahoma City at the National Sto- uh, Severe Storm Conference. So uh, I will not be there, but I try, will try to uh, plug in from there. I'm actually going to the Oklahoma City Thunder Game Wednesday night. So. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much I can plug in, but uh, we have Tim Schmidt on who is going to be on talking about the GOES-16 uh, GOES um, satellite that has been launched and looking forward to seeing some of the first images. So Tim, Tim will be on our show next week. Uh, talking about goes Project, so really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great show, and I suspect that we're going to have a lot of uh, viewers for that show. And we've round out the month with weather folklore with John Baleski up in Louisville, Kentucky, and there's sirens going by my house now. Scotty, are the police
3: coming for you? Are you okay? I was
0: wondering what's going on back <laughs> yeah, there. That's, that's,
3: that's Scotty's <laughs> alert ears. He's ding, 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 yeah. ding. What's going on? i got to know.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's what's going on uh, here for the next couple of weeks, and then we go into uh, March with... Uh, Several good shows as well. But uh, follow us on our Facebook page or uh, Twitter pages. We'll get that information out to you. So have a great night. Stay safe as the storms move through and uh, bundle up tomorrow because it's going to be chilly, but warm weather returns for the weekend.